I'm glad you're along with us on this episode of The Wisdom Journey. Thanks for joining us. I'm going to meddle a little bit and ask you this question. What kind of relationship do you have with your possessions? You see, possessions have the potential to take possession of us. Jesus doesn't condemn wealth, but he offers warnings against making any material things the priority in your life. Here's Stephen Davy with today's message from God's Word. In 1923, some of the world's most successful businessmen met at the Edgewater Beach Hotel in Chicago. They included Charles Schwab, the president of Bethlehem Steel, Richard Whitney, the president of the New York Stock Exchange, Albert Fall, a member of the U.S. President's Cabinet, and a bank president by the name of Leon Frazier. It was said, as newspapers covered their meeting, that, that these men collectively controlled more wealth than the United States had in its entire treasury. Well, for years, uh, newspapers and magazines followed these men, their lives, what they said, how they lived, their wealth, their mansions, their, their lifestyles, printing you know, their success stories, holding them up as examples for the younger generation. Well, let me tell you, the world does the same thing today. It elevates wealth, as if having money makes your life a model for living, as if being wealthy means you ought to be quoted. Now, don't misunderstand. There's nothing inherently wrong with money. You might be needing a little more of it today to pay your bills. The problem is the love of money, the greedy pursuit of money and possessions. And let me tell you again, the problem isn't what we might possess. The problem is what possesses us. Have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus talked more about money and possessions than he did about heaven and hell combined? In fact, in the Bible, there are 500 references to prayer and 2,000 references to possessions. Obviously, this is a big deal for the believer's life today. Now, here in Matthew chapter 6, the Lord is going to preach on the issue of money. And he says here in verse 19, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Well, what kind of treasures might Jesus be talking about since banks didn't exist back then? Well, we know from history that clothing was collected. Clothing was often used as currency. People would often weave gold into their clothing. They, they effectively wore their bank account. They also stored grain in barns. Grain in that day was as good as gold. And in addition, some people would keep silver or gold coins, often hiding them in their homes or maybe even a hole in the ground. Now, with that in mind, Jesus speaks of three different kinds of thieves that can take all that treasure away. The first thief is a moth. Jesus says here in verse 19, that moth can destroy. Indeed, a a single moth can can ruin a closet full of clothes. Jesus 
also mentions rust, destroying treasure. In fact, the word he uses for rust means eating away. Uh, it, It could refer to corrosion. It could also refer to rodents, like mice that can eat grain that's been stored in barns. That's probably what Jesus is picturing here. I've I've read that in India, they estimate that as much as 50% of their annual grain supply is consumed by rodents. Well, the third thief Jesus mentions here is a robber. He says this in verse 19, thieves can break in and steal. The verb he uses here for break in literally means to dig in or to dig through. You see, in Jesus' day, homes were made of clay bricks. Uh, burglars could you know, literally uh, dig a hole through the wall and, and get inside your house. So what's the solution? Well, Jesus says here to make sure your greatest investments are in heaven. He says here in verse 20, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and Steal. In other words, make sure you're investing in eternal things. What are eternal investments? Well, one of them is God himself. So invest in your relationship with him. Another eternal investment is, is people. They're going to live forever. Invest in them. Third, invest time in God's word. This will live forever. And fourth, invest in the work of Christ around the world. Uh, Give your money to the work of Christ. It's going to reap eternal dividends. Now, Jesus says here in verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What he means is what you're really interested in will be proven by what you've invested in. You know, somebody will say to me, uh, you know, my heart's really interested in missions. Oh, really? Do you volunteer in the church, a missions committee, or or some local ministry that's reaching people with the gospel? Well, no. Have you ever been on a missions trip? Uh, No, those plane tickets are expensive. Do you give any money to missionaries? No, but but I got to tell you, my heart's really interested in missions. Well, let me tell you, it isn't. You're lying to yourself, and Jesus tells you why. You will be invested in whatever you are interested in. In fact, Jesus gives an illustration to prove his point here in verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Jesus is using the eye here figuratively for spiritual insight, spiritual understanding. If your insight is is biblically sound, your body is going to head in the right direction. Your life, your wealth, your investments, your goals in life will be directed toward glorifying God. Jesus gives another illustration here in verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other— or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now listen, the Lord isn't against bank accounts. He isn't against good clothes. He isn't against you having a job. That isn't the issue. The the real issue here that he's addressing is that which you are living for, you're pursuing. You, you, You can't live without it. 
Or, or you can't live without God. He says here, you can't live for God. You can't pursue God and pursue money as your ambition at the same time. Let me tell you, if you're living for money, your life is going to be filled with anxiety and worry. Those thieves are going to come. You're going to lose it. It's going to be stolen. That's what Jesus says next here in verse 25. Don't be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? In other words, life is about eternal issues. And Jesus is going to use birds now as an illustration. In fact, I think he probably is, since he's preaching out there on the hillside, he might even point out a few of them flying overhead, as he says here in verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? In other words, if God cares about the birds, he's certainly going to care for you. Now, Jesus asks a rather pointed question here in verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? In other words, worrying is is a great subtractor. It doesn't add anything to your life, not even one moment of time. I've read that worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but never takes you anywhere. Jesus says here that we ought to devote our money, our attention, our minds, our investments to eternal things. Verse 33 kind of wraps up the idea. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He's saying keep your focus on eternity. Make your greatest investments in the coming kingdom of Jesus Christ. That's a good way to make sure that your possessions never possess you. You remember that that meeting back in 1923 I mentioned of those powerful and wealthy men, those men the magazines and newspapers assumed lived the best life possible? Well, within 25 years of that meeting, things had changed drastically. Charles Schwab, the president of Bethlehem Steel, a man who lived an immoral life, ended up living in a little apartment, having lost his mansion, his money. In fact, he died hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. Richard Whitney, the president of the New York Stock Exchange, well, he was arrested later in life for embezzlement, went on to serve time in prison. Leon Frazier, the bank president, Well, he took his own life. Albert Fall was convicted of accepting bribes, and he went to prison. He was later pardoned by the President of the United States so he could die at home. Let me tell you, the world doesn't understand that it's possible to make a living and never experience a life worth living. Listen, beloved, don't ever deposit your heart in the bank. Invest your heart, your focus, your attention, your love, your desire on eternal treasures, and that's what will make your life worth living, no matter how much you have in the bank. Well, until next time, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God 
and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That was Stephen Davey in a lesson he called, When Your Heart Lives at the Bank. This is The Wisdom Journey. In addition to this daily program, Stephen has other resources to help you know what the Bible says, understand what it means, and apply it to your life. To learn more and to access all of our discipleship resources, visit us at wisdomonline.org. If you'd like more personal help, our phone number is 866-48-BIBLE. That's 866-48-BIBLE or 866-482-4253. I hope we hear from you soon. I also hope you'll join us next time as we continue along this wisdom journey.